0: listeners, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, I'm all about capturing and curating career and life stories as a meaningful way to celebrate a milestone moment like a big old birthday, anniversary, retirement, or graduation. And I'm at my best when curating photo books that move your memories from the basement or your phone or your computer to the coffee table, giving you and your family and friends access to these treasured memories for years to come. I also love curating and capturing life and career stories through this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? It's a series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers, people in transition or possibly feeling stuck, and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas or maybe just comforted knowing they're not alone, that everybody starts somewhere and everybody goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. Today I'm very excited to be interviewing Amanda Harness. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you for having me, Kathy. And Amanda got introduced to me through a mutual friend, which is always fun to get to know new people through mm-hmm. my, uh, you know, current network. So, and then when we met, I, you know, right away I could tell, hmm, this is someone that I want to find out
1: how did I get here.
0: <laughs> so, Amanda is a fractional COO and a business growth accelerator. So mm-hmm. that's very interesting to find out how that works. Before we jump into today's interview, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Life Story Curator, a testimonial from one of their very happy clients.
1: Oh my gosh. If you're considering hiring Kathy Lawless to do a book for you, you need to do it. My name is Anne DuPont and I'm chair emeritus of a nonprofit that's been based in Denver called The Leadership Investment. And after 20 plus years of being in business, we decided we had to celebrate and commemorate all of the great work we'd done and the impact we'd had in the Denver community. So we hired Kathy Lawless and Life Story Curator to help us do exactly that. And I've got to tell you, the result has been simply outstanding. And we went into it with a little bit of fear, thinking, is this going to be too much work? Can we really take this on? And Kathy just made it absolutely painless. She was fun. She was creative. She broke the work into bite-sized pieces that we could really take hold of and get done. And she just made it a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughter along the way. And the feedback from the members of our organization, from the staff, the community, the volunteers, has simply been outstanding. It has really done quite a remarkable job of capturing the essence of everything we achieved over 20 years. So if you're thinking about doing something like this for your organization, for your career, for your family, I would highly recommend it. And I would absolutely say that Kathy Lawless and Life Story Curator is the person for you.
0: Listeners, as you know, we always like to start with the icebreaker questions. So Amanda, if you would, Tell us about how you grew up. What part of the country? What part of the world? As well as uh, your family dynamic. You know your birth order and kind of what, how your parents raised you, and how those things shaped you as an individual.
2: Sure. So I am from California, but Coloradans don't hold that against me. Um, <laughs> I moved here uh, in 2016. Um, before the housing market blew up so it's not me um <laughs> so I'm from the coast I grew up uh right by the water I've never lived more than a half hour from the water It's tough here living in Denver and being mind locked um but I grew up in San Luis Obispo and Santa Cruz and um I was I always went to the beach a lot I was I'm, I don't know how to surf I'll call that out right now and um I think that growing up uh, in the Bay Area and near the water, um, that's always calling me back. I I wish I would uh, be able to just take Denver and and plant it right by the water. Um, I grew up with primarily with my mom. Um, She is this beautiful powerhouse of a woman um, who she had me and my brother. I'm the youngest. He's three years older. She had us um, on the younger side on, on purpose, but she was younger. And when I was one year old, uh, my father went a different direction. And the, the three of us really um, lived together. So it was me, and my mom, and my brother. Um, my aunt, her, uh, her name Maureen. I have um, many aunts. My mom's one of seven. But uh, wow. my aunt Maureen um, was like a second mom for quite a bit of my life. She either lived with us or lived literally around the corner. And I mean like 10 steps um, and was always there as a great support for for us as well um, from a dynamic standpoint, I think that that really, that stood out to me that, um, you can be supported by, you know, people that aren't, I guess your aunt is still really direct family, but it's not your parent, right? And so an aunt stepping in and feeling like another parent taught me that there are many different roles in your life that will be supportive to you. And I think that I've grasped onto that, um, and carried that through into my adulthood. And it does play out in my business. I'm sure we'll get there in this conversation. Um, But really just having grown up in, in a, a family that was, you know, we were small, um, but strong and I never felt like I, um, didn't have what I needed. And I was always very loved and supported and holidays were super fun and, um, yeah. Now I'm just going to start reminiscing and going on tangents and (laughs)
0: memories. (laughs) I I do love that, that you bring up that, you know, there can be so many um, important relationships in your life. I mean, I remember I didn't learn that until, gosh, I think I was late twenties, early thirties. I remember, you know, finding that nugget about your spouse or your significant other doesn't have to be every relationship to you, right? They can kind of fill one part of it. And then you have all these other Friends and friend groups, or other family members and stuff that can kind of tap into different things. And and I I don't know why I had that misperception, right? That that your significant other is that one and only. Uh, I mean, they are for I a certain you. thing, right? But not for every every part of your life. So thank you for sharing. That. That's a really cool thing, and to learn that as young age. Plus, I'm also an aunt. I don't have any kids. So I am hopeful that I am being that person, right? That hopefully I've stepped into nieces and nephews in a way that I can be that other adult figure, but also want to be the fun aunt too. I got to be the fun aunt.
2: Oh yeah. Being an aunt's the best.
0: (laughs) So what activities you said you didn't surf, but I'm guessing by the water, maybe you still did quite a bit around the water at the beach or
2: Um, as a, as a child uh, when I say child, I guess, I mean, like growing up through college, we'll say, um, we, we would go to the beach and do things like a picnic at the beach, making sandcastles, and we'd play in the water. Um, and then as, uh, more of an adult, I think that I've, uh, spent more time just maybe taking walks and, and just enjoying the sounds and the smells I miss every time I go back. Um. Someone who's un, like not familiar, they're like, "Oh, it smells here." I'm like, oh, "I love it <laughs> It just smells. I don't know. I love that smell. It's salty sea life smell. Um, it's so. I kind of when I was little, it was more about the activity that I would do in, at the water, and now it's more about enjoying the experience and environment of being at the water. Um, I've also now living here. Whenever I travel, it's, I try to travel somewhere with the beach, and so I've tried snorkeling and um, scuba diving and that sort of thing as well in in more clearer oceans the pacific isn't the most clear ocean (laughs) along the california coast um we also grew up camping a lot that was a big part as well so near the ocean but also deep in trees i guess santa cruz saying that i grew up around there um that's that's big trees big redwoods and ocean so both of those environments are
0: are my jam yeah i remember the first time i went to california i was blown away at how amazing the mountains were i just assumed that yeah they had mountains but they weren't going to be so majestic but it's because you're right at sea level and then they go straight <laughs> up and yep. so yeah i was pretty impressed with how in california you, you got both of those right right there you got the mountains the forest the trees all of that and then you've got the ocean so you, you've got it all i can see why you could miss the water so much even though because you get that here the mountains and the trees but
2: <laughs> yeah i've actually uh hiked and backpacked the the highest coastal peak um, on the the west coast um, and it's right there in Big Sur, which is about two and a half hours from San Luis Obispo, where I spent a lot of my life.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. Cool. righty. Well, we're going to shift gears just a little bit now. Uh, are you an extrovert or an introvert or an ambivert?
2: Ooh, ambivert. I haven't heard ambivert. I've always said that I'm an extroverted introvert. <laughs> so I, I am an introvert in the sense that um, I know I've become more of an introvert, I think as I've, quote, aged, right? (laughs) Um, I think I'm an extrovert. I I love to be around people. Uh, I love to, I do a lot of videos in my business. I like to, I don't like to be the center of attention, but I don't mind the spotlight, if that makes sense. You know, I I, I like public speaking. Um, I like educating people. I have a lot of fun with friends, doing fun stuff. Karaoke doesn't scare me, you know? So I am an extrovert, but, that takes a lot of my energy. And that's where the introvert comes from. I think that, um, I have learned to define an introvert and extrovert as to, as to what gives you energy, what pumps you, pumps you up. And so as an introvert, doing those extroverted things is very exhausting. And while I really enjoy it, it actually just takes energy to do versus gives me energy. And so I like to do those things, but then I need a solid, like, alone time, quiet time, like day after that, you know?
0: Yeah. And it, and it may look very easy from the outside that you're an extrovert, right? Cause you, you do it so well and all that, but what we don't know is how much energy that it takes. So it's always sure. a great question. And I, I love that definition too, because you do get a sense of, oh, well, yeah, it is about the energy and, and how we need to recover from that. So cool. Yeah. Okay. So. I,
2: Go ahead. I sorry. I was gonna say uh, I have ch- my fiance is a total extrovert, and we've had to work on this phrase where I need uninterrupted alone time because he would think he was giving me alone time, but it was like then he'd give me like, hey, could you do this? Could you do that? Could you take care of the dog? And it was I was alone. He wasn't there, but I was doing stuff. Whereas I need uninterrupted alone time, and I can choose whatever the darn well I pleased to do with it you know. so um, uninterrupted alone time is really what like gives me the energy back
0: yeah great example though that's what's so important I think is for introverts and extroverts to be able to talk about that right because a lot of times we don't have that that empathy toward the other or that understanding of what's really mm-hmm. needed and we think we heard the word but we didn't really understand. well you're alone I left you alone but yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> <so. laughs> Okay, uh, on the fun meter scale of one to five, one being couch potato and five being the life of the party. Where do you put yourself?
2: Oh, four. I like to have a good time. I like to be silly. I really like to make fun of myself and costumes are really great, you know, so
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I, I love a good costume, a good pair of glasses, hat, you know, sometimes it doesn't even take <laughs> that much yeah. to get a good costume going. Oh, okay. yeah. And I
2: don't I don't need I can uh, get on the dance floor, you know, just. I don't need, I don't need to uh, have any liquid courage. I'll just pop out there, you know?
0: (laughs) Oh, that is impressive. That is impressive. Now you mentioned karaoke too. Do you need the liquid courage for karaoke or can you just jump up there too on that?
2: Oh, I can just jump up there and I will 100% pick a song that makes me sound even worse than I already am because I'm bad. Like I know that I'm not a good singer. I am not up there to perform because you want to hear me i'm up there to perform because it's funny like so i'll pick a song that it just requires an excellent voice knowing i'm gonna like really do a terrible job but it's on purpose and it's more just for the entertainment value
0: (laughs) how fun how fun you know i was thinking the other day we're part of this uh women's group maybe we need to do some karaoke i think that would be kind of a fun night and um (laughs) you know get people out of their comfort zone so Okay, so speaking of comfort zones, uh, where are you on the risk meter? Same scale, one to five, one being low risk taker and five being a high risk taker. You know, my instinct is to say three. I definitely can't
2: go below that because I'm an entrepreneur and that is inherently risky. <laughs> um, I'm tempted to say four, maybe I'll say three and a half. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I don't mind taking risks, but they're, they're very intentional, I guess. Was why I would want to make it a three and a half. They're very intentional. I've thought them through. Um, Being an operations person, you know, I obviously am strategic and Mm. and a planner in that way. So I guess nothing is done without thinking about it first. But I'm willing to to take a little bit of a risk and have a little bit of just faith as well
1: yeah
0: yeah because operations is all about execution and delivery Mm -hmm. so you've got to be able to think that through whereas creating order other things are more about the the vision or the ideas or the ideation part of it so okay yeah I
2: guess it just depends on what we're talking about right is it uh in my business I guess I'm more risky with my business than uh I am with my clients businesses I'll let them decide what risk level they'll take and just present them the ideas. So maybe it just depends on what we're talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. It it depends, right? (laughs) And like you said, when you're doing something for other people, you've got to understand what their risk level is and tolerance Mm -hmm. and where they stand. So, okay. Well, I love those questions because as we go through your story and we get to hear about the decisions you've made and the paths you've taken, uh, I really get a sense of how all those things play out in there. So uh, if you would, Tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a fractional COO and a business growth accelerator, and then we'll get into the,
1: how did I get here?
0: Sure. Uh, Let's see. Well, as a fractional COO,
2: I interact in a business on a part-term capacity as their COO. So it's a very collaborative role. Uh, Operations entails both the systems and process side of business, you know, how things happen every day and it includes who is doing the happening. So as an operations person, I get to really interact uh, with the foundations of a business. Um, how are they executing everything? What are they doing that's very client and, and customer centered? How are they retaining and attracting clients? What are they doing on a day-to-day basis, making sure that they're efficient and that we're removing any bottlenecks or cracks and, and things like that. And. Um, Also, helping the owner know what's happening on their day to day sometimes they can get stuck in the weeds and they just sort of flying flying by, but if they have a better idea of what's happening when. um, there's a level of confidence and comfort that comes with that as well as it's consistency for the service you provide and the people you you provide that to. And I also interact on the people side so. I like to bring the human aspect back to business. And I like to say we we do serious work without being too serious, right? It's people aren't robots, they're not machines. They're not here to just do something because you said so, right? They they have parents at home that have taught them because I said so their whole life. You don't, You don't need to be that person for them as well when you're the leader or the employer. Um, So I like to try and and address any leadership models or structures and uh, address the trickle down effects that leadership has on a team of employees, as well as engaging those people to feel like they're being honored and seen and valued at work, that they're in an environment that they want to stay, um, that they feel like they can interact with the long-term vision of the business. and. And rather than thinking about how much we can get from somebody, we try and, and see how much we, we can encourage them to give. And so by optimizing this foundation of the people who do the processes, um, that's where we see the business growth at an accelerated speed, because we can take that foundation and turn it into an action. So the the last key component is that strategy behind what it is that you want and um how are you going to get there who's going to help you when do you have to do x and y by Um, and so if you've got a really great foundation you can then take that strategy that we've created together and make sure that you're going to get to that end goal maybe a little faster but still safely and successfully and and maybe with a little bit a little bit less acid reflux and wrinkles, you know, a little, a little more ease.
0: <laughs> I like that with a little less acid reflux and wrinkles. <laughs> We're all maybe dealing with those things. <laughs> One of those things anyway, maybe. Awesome. Okay. So I get it. So then you're, you're stepping in and you're doing as the fractional COO, but then you're also probably the the teaching, leading, guiding influence on the consulting side about how to be that accelerator. So I would say you're not an interim, you're fractional, meaning you you would have long-term engagements with your clients. Typically I work with businesses at least six
2: months. So it is on a longer term, but not long, long long-term. So the, and the reason why is when we're changing things in a business, there's some change management that has to come with that. And that usually entails a lot of behavior change with you and the team. And so that doesn't happen overnight, right? I can change what a document says as a process or how we're going to systematize a part of a business. But in order to actually make that stick and be a long-term solution, we have to change the people side of that as well and, and have give them enough time to unlearn an old way, relearn a new way, of the patience of repetition, things like that and, and that's that takes a little bit of time. So I typically work with a business at least six months, but it could be longer if we decide off the get-go that we need more than that or maybe we get to that six month point and we decide there's there's room for more. Let's do more stuff. This is what we could do. Here's another you know another six months worth of work. Um, but when I do finish with a client, I can stay on a bit of a retainer. So that if there is some of that change management that still needs to happen, I can have some consulting or coaching calls with any problem solving or thought generation as a partner. Uh, but I'm a little less in the business on the day-to-day doing the implementation. It's more teaching them to help continue the implementation. Um, and maybe later, you know, if we finish working, they they come back at, an, at a new milestone and we can even optimize a little bit more then. But it's, it's uh, I work with more than one business at a time. So it is kind of set like project.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, your brain's got to work kind of compartmentalized between the different companies, right? And
2: <laughs> Well, yeah, I'd like to say that I try to practice what I preach, so I'm pretty organized and stuff within my own business.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, Amanda, I I'm, I'm guessing this isn't something that you knew about back when you were in junior high and high school. So, kind of go back to that time frame and tell us what your career aspirations were at the time and you know, what you were you thinking you wanted to be? And then we can yeah. start into the how did you get to where you are today? Sure. You know, my career path is, uh,
2: very different now than it, than it was for the first 10 years of my career. So I actually have a, a background in healthcare. I was an occupational therapist. Um, and I did in fact learn about occupational therapy at career day in high school. So, um, I have, um, I have an aunt who's passed away, but she had a pretty long history of a bunch of illnesses and, um, you know, I grew up with her being really strong and a good and a motivation for me to want to help people who were struggling with with their health and in and in those types of experiences and transitions. And so, I decided I wanted to get into healthcare, and quickly narrowed it down um, to something like therapy and and chose occupational therapy. So, I went to school for that. I went to Dominican University and did a an accelerated program and got my master's in five years and, and undergrad and graduate all together. Um, and so I got into the workforce pretty young at 23, and I did that for 10 years. Um, in fact, I moved to Colorado as an OT to work at Craig Hospital, which is a pretty well-known um, brain and spinal cord injury hospital. And I felt really energized at that opportunity. It was such a, an amazing learning environment. Um, other hospitals around the world model themselves after it, and so I felt like that was such a great opportunity for me. And I, and I did grow a lot as a therapist, as a person. Um, And, you know, even though that was an amazing opportunity, what led me to want to move here is that I was feeling like I was, I was unfulfilled Um, and not in the sense of, I was unfulfilled because I was helping people. I just wasn't meeting my, my zone of genius in some way. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And the thought was that it, by working at Craig hospital, this Amazing teaching, learning hospital, um, that might be the gap. Maybe I just need to change it up. But even though I worked there and I did love doing that, I still wasn't quite right. And so I took a small step away from patient care, but was still in the healthcare realm and worked for a company that does um, uh, specialized equipment. So I still worked with th- with therapists, with patients, but I was the equipment specialist who would, you know, in specifically in pediatrics in this case where, you know, little Johnny needs a wheelchair. And based on what the therapist tells me, I can say, okay, well, I think this is a wheelchair that would serve him best. And here's why. Um, That was also really cool.
0: Still not quite right. (laughs) And I guess you would bring a lot of credibility to that because you had been on the therapist side before. So you could communicate in their language. And then also when you made recommendations, they knew it wasn't just because that was the best commission or the best, you know, the the sale of the month or whatever. So I would get, yeah.
2: Yeah. In fact, in this particular company, um, that was really great. They liked that, but it also, uh, because it wasn't about the number and the sale for me and it was about the client. Sometimes I would be, you know, pushed in the sales direction and I would always push back. And so it was never, it was never super comfortable. (laughs) Um, but you know of of all those years that I was in healthcare I was also in leadership and management positions where I did interact and touch processes and people and the operations of a business um I was always challenging the status quo asking questions seeing where issues were figuring out what was actually causing them offering solutions it was just something I naturally did and really enjoyed um and so for my whole career I was doing that at whatever facility I worked and even in this equipment company I just automatically did it. And I didn't really see that that's what I was doing, but it was what I was doing. I created, for example, um, there are hundreds of pieces of equipment out there. And I took all the pediatric specific equipment that this company worked with and was um, contracted with, and I made essentially a a manual that outlined all the information you you would need to know, because I felt like that was something that was missing in my onboarding. They now use it in all of their training when they're onboarding
0: our employees. So it's just something I did, you know. Um, just how your brain works, right? You just saw that. Right. And said, this would have really helped me and it's helping me now. So I'm going to make it for me. And then others are like, well. Wow, and then they wanted it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so here we are, you know, I,
2: I it's, uh, it was actually 2020. Um, I jokingly say it was a porch with a good friend and a bottle of wine in a pandemic that told me to start my business. And All those
0: factors, those were <laughs> yeah.
2: the, um, factor the
0: perfect storm is what caused yes, it.
2: Yes, <laughs> it was, absolutely. Um, because I had thought about doing this and it was really a pipe dream for me. Um, and sitting on this porch with this particular friend, she had chosen, she's a graphic designer and she had chosen to leave the workforce and start her own graphic design business. And I was just so inspired and proud of her. And it made me think, what if I could actually turn my dream into something like that, too? And the bottle of wine helped with the whole courage part. <laughs> and um I'm someone when I make a decision, the decision is made. Um I'm not inflexible by any means, but I'm just I've made a decision. i'm that's what I'm doing. and that's that's literally what happened is one night I just decided i I'm gonna do this. I am gonna start my own business. This is what it's gonna be. Um, and the rest is history. Honestly, I, I, within two months, I had bought the LLC, gotten to an office, branded the business, um, and started connecting with people to, to start finding clients. Um, now that's not to say it was super easy. Like my first client came, let's see, five months later, you know, so, but I was able, I was lucky with this equipment company. They let me go part-time. So I was able to work part-time in that while trying to start this business. But within, um, four months I went full-time in my own business. So, um, yeah, it's just, I just decided, you know, this is really what I actually love doing. It's what comes naturally and inspires me and is my zone of genius. And, and I, and now I do it for many businesses instead of just
0: one. Yeah. So that feeling you had where you said I was unfulfilled. And so I leave California, come to Denver thinking the teachings that that was the, you know, the teachings uh, job was going to be more of a fit. So how did you know you, you know, once you landed on this, you, is it a gut feel for you? Is it a a head, gut, heart thing? I mean, is it all yeah. three of those things that finally, and then it sounds like once you've made that decision, then you're ready to jump into action. But what, how do you know in your body or in yourself, when you're mm-hmm. ready to go? That's a great question.
2: Um, I don't know that I've been asked that. I think, I think it's a, a heart and head. I I'm someone that just sort of has a sense of knowing. Um, I've always been fairly intuitive. My mom's always been someone to tell me to trust my gut a lot because it seemed throughout my life that my gut was a good guide for me. Um, and so I feel like I just have this sense of knowing. And so I think it's a mixture of that. Logical side of my brain needs justification. Um, you know, I need to. I need to see some kind of path or possibility. But the inspired, instinctual part of me is also willing to trust that if I have this end goal in mind, the how part is is going to play out. And so, if I can see where I want to go, how it's going to happen can kind of be a little bit more fluid and instinctual. And just, I just have this knowing. And so I think it was a little bit of a, um, I say head and heart, but I do wonder if it is my gut. I like it. Like I said, no one's ever asked me that. So I am kind of just processing it out loud while while we're doing this. Um, yeah, it's a definitely an internal feeling, I think, less so than a thing than a thought.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, you mentioned to me, I would stereotype that, you know, if you're in operations a lot of time, the how can get. The top priority, and I know that that's kind of what's where I kind of came up through business was in the operations side of things. So that is that's is where my uh, brain, unfortunately, when I do get excited about something, then it jumps to the how, and then that's how you can talk yourself out of stuff, right? Versus the if you can stay in that space if I'm doing this, and the how will figure itself out, and I know I can figure out how. But sometimes I'm like, no, I got to figure out the how. Um, yeah. So yeah, that can be uh, you know debilitating sometimes. But it sounds like you can manage that for yourself really well. Yeah, I do. I do do work backwards, I think.
2: So um, I've heard the term um, paralysis by analysis, and I think that's kind of what you're touching on there. I'm actually someone who sees the outcome and works backwards. So whenever I am building processes or thinking of how to do something, it's because we've already determined the end goal. And we're working backward to make sure that what we're doing within the year, within the next three months, within the week, within the day, is moving the the meter, the the dial in in that direction. Um, So I think that that's what makes it possible for me is I can get a clear vision of where we'll end up and then how we get there is something that I can do next.
0: Ah, so and it sounds like you're very cl- so you're, you're focused on that, that you got to get that clear, clear vision of what you're yes. getting toward, because that does drive a yes. lot of the how it can uh, guide it uh, in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, because when I look at how I manage projects and led teams and manage change and stuff, uh, I would make sure I was very clear on the, where are we going? What are the outcomes? What are the end goals? And sometimes you got to revisit that and revisit that because new information comes up and you're like, well, yeah, this is our primary, then but these other factors, these other circumstances happen, does it change our primary or, you know, cause sometimes it can, um, absolutely. But then, uh, sometimes you just have to, you know, stay committed to the thing, uh, you know, and then you can make it happen. But, but Maybe I mean, that's I what it is what, that you
2: just, that I just stayed committed to the thing. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. You
0: know, I would say as an entrepreneur, when I started doing things that were really putting myself out there as me selling me, that's where I got a lot of the, um, the doubt and fear. Mhm. So did that happen to you at all when you started selling? You know, cuz you were putting it all together, you were creating this new thing that's always fun and exciting, but then when you started actually having the sales conversations, did you ever have that little bit of, "Oh, I haven't really done sales before." But I guess you had done sales or or sort oh, of No. Like, no, I hadn't. I mean,
2: in, even in that equipment uh position, um, the the I was I was given the customers, so I didn't have to go find them. Ah, um cold calling. and Mm-hmm. No cold calling with that position or anything. And so, um, I really hadn't because, yes, that particular position was under the sales umbrella in that business, but I didn't feel like a salesperson. Um, and so sales was very uncomfortable for me. And admittedly, I've done sales coaching. I've hired coaches specifically to help me address my skills in sales. I think that that is not something that most people are confident in, or, um, you know, necessarily skilled at, but I've had, I've had those coaches tell me that it's really just persuasion. You persuade people all day long, right? You, you and your fiance want to go eat some more to dinner and you're really craving Thai food and you persuade him to go for Thai food instead of Mexican, you just sold him Thai food, you know? So it's, I think it just made it feel like, Saying something is to even the the number saying the number when I would ask people like okay this so this is how much it's going to cost I felt like such an imposter you know imposter syndrome for sure and it's just coming down to honestly the the work I do is of high service and is worthy of massive compers- com- compensation that's a quote by Amanda Francis my work is of high service and worthy of massive comp- compensation and so it's okay like of course I would ask people to pay me for this thing, you know, I, I pay for a bed to sleep at a hotel and what are they, they're giving me a place to sleep, but I'm still gonna pay them for it. Right. Um, and so it's the same thing. You just say it like you're asking for a glass of water, like this is what it is. And so it was very uncomfortable. I've had to work on my skills. I've hired people to help me when I felt like I got to a point where I read enough books and articles and stuff to help myself. And I only got to a certain point. Now I need someone to help me get to that next point.
0: Yeah. So not afraid to ask for help and get coaching, which also though mm-hmm. you are a coach. So, um, you know, that's not your formal title, I know, but w- the role that you're in many times. Yeah. Um, and then if you can't accept coaching yourself, then how does that work? You know what I mean? So I think right. you really are walking your talk there, but I, 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 I like to talk and bring up the sales piece because so much of us, just like you said, we're all in sales, right? We've had mm-hmm. to sell our ideas. Maybe I was in operations, but I, you had to sell your ideas and, sell your, that fact that maybe we could do this a little bit uh, more efficient, or maybe we don't need to do this step. I mean, there's all kinds Mm -hmm. of ways that selling, but there's also so many hangups about selling. And some people are so, I'm not a salesperson. I don't want to do sales or the the salespeople aren't selling what we make or what we actually, I mean, there's so, I don't know, I feel like it's really a a highly um, volatile topic. So that's why I'm always, people step into that, how they feel about it. How they approach it, and like you're saying, you, you look at the um, the skill set of it, but then there's the, also the mindset and the value, and you also acknowledge that too that you felt like an imposter and the amount that I'm asking for and why, and <clears throat> have to I justify. I didn't want to be, yeah, I didn't want to. The, the stereotype of a
2: sleazy car salesman is what people think of when they think of sales, and I had to work past that roadblock in my own mind. And um, I read a book, Never Split the Difference, uh, which is by Chris Boss. And, um, that really helps me on the mindset side of sales, because he really goes into the psychology behind sales and comes at it from a space of real integrity and that what you're doing is you're really trying to understand what exactly that person needs. Sometimes when they aren't sure. So you're helping them pick it apart sometimes too, and get clarity for themselves and for you so that you know with high level of integrity, that you're providing them something valuable that they need um, and that you're not the car salesman just trying to get a number, you know? And so it changing the approach there and coming at it from this, um, of a high level of service type of sales versus I need the paycheck sales, very, very different approach. And people feel that, people know when it's the, when it's the
0: less sleazy way, you know, they can tell when they're
2: being sold to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always liked that term solution selling, you know, cause it was all about, we're here to find a solution for you. And if it's not, if it's not me or if it's not our products and service and all that, um, but you kind of have to walk through a lot of what they're going through in order to do mm-hmm. that. Um, right. So it sounds like you're kind of on that approach. So then you're bringing value, but I, I like that. How you, you know, you don't, sometimes people don't know why they want what they want. And then you do have to peel it around, peel it down, Mm -hmm. and then get into the real value you're bringing so they stay focused on that, right? Because it's easy to look at the, um, probably the invoices, (laughs) you know, when the money and the financial thing finally, you know, transactions occur, uh, you know, there's, you know, sometimes people kind of rethink things and go, well, wait a minute, am I getting the value out of this that I want? Mm -hmm. So without having to send them the report, here's the value. (laughs) Yeah
2: you want them to be there's such an emotional value to to service businesses too Mm -hmm. right i mean i i like the idea of a a roofing company right they're not just actually selling a roof right they're selling much more than that you're not asking them to replace your roof just because you need to replace your roof you need to replace your roof so that you have a, a safe space for your family so that you prevent yourself from further cost and damage because it leaks or that you're you know, saving on your energy bill and for the environment by leak proofing your house um, and and putting more insulation up in your attic because you have an old home, you know, so it's it's so much more. There's all these emotions. There's the the financial aspect of things, but there's also the emotional, physical and social or spiritual side of of a service that you're receiving as well. And that's what I try to make
0: sure I focus on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't expect that we would spend so much time on sales, but this has been great. I know. Because <laughs> I do think, you know, again, if people are like in transition or feeling stuck, they may have um, maybe disqualified sales as an option um, or disqualified a particular role because maybe there was a sales component of it. But you've <clears throat> offered, you know, at least the one book. So say the title of that book again. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And then the other woman you you quoted, did she have a book mm. to- that you wrote she does she does
2: her book title does have a swear word in it um it's uh rich as f (laughs) um (laughs) her it's amanda francis she's a money mindset and life coach and so she also honestly has helped me with my sales mindset because she does help you get past some of the um the roadblocks you might put in your way around deserving money or um feeling like that imposter. And so she does talk about how you perceive money, what stories you create for yourself around money, maybe, um, old perceptions and experiences you had when you were young that affect how you feel about money now. Um, she is just, she's a fun person. She's a fun loving person. I also listen to her podcast. Um, she's also an open book, which I really appreciate. Um, cause I, I myself am about that. And, uh, I, I also just like how she writes because you can tell it's it's very conversational, which is is fun to read. Um, so she's she's all about teaching and and sharing and um, yeah.
0: And you have her same first name, so I did. Yes, good <laughs> <laughs> no book. thing there, but I love that one because uh, you know again whether you're you know selling a product, you're you know if you're in transition or stuck and looking for that next thing for you. Um, you got to be able to sell yourself, no matter what you decide to do, right? Maybe you go down the entrepreneurial route, or maybe you go into more of a corporate role or a, a role where that's already um, been defined by another organization. But you still have to be able to go in and sell yourself and command the value that you want yes. and the value that you, you know, your expecti- your uh, expertise does kind of command uh, in the marketplace. Yeah. So it's worthy. To uh, maybe that's she's a good read, regardless of whether you're in sales, right? It's about that money mindset, just in general, what self limiting beliefs we have around yes. money and our value and what we bring. So there's okay. a lot of introspection that she encourages during during the read. Cool. Well, on your title, sounds fun. I always like when people go mm-hmm. and that, that <laughs> kind of gives you insight in into what's going to be on the inside, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, Amanda, we probably need to start wrapping up here. Uh, I could keep asking you questions all afternoon, but um, (laughs) let's start wrapping up. I've got two wrap up questions. The first is, tell us um, what you think served you best when you kind of look back at your career. And it can be a personality trait, maybe a strength or a characteristic or a habit. What do you think served you best?
2: Let's see. I I think two two small things come to mind. One of them we sort of brought up is being open for help. Um, I think there is there is this mindset that happens when you own a business as though you're supposed to be good at everything um but but you don't you're not and you don't need to be the expert at everything um that it's okay and you should ask for help uh whether it's temporary help you know just asking for advice or for me one of the first things i outsourced was my books i don't i don't number The numbers are not my friend i thank goodness i have fingers to count on you know i so i outsourced my books because i wanted to make sure they were always straight but i could always see my numbers but i was not the one who wanted to spend the time on it or make sure that i was doing it right i hired i hired an expert um so i think asking for help the other thing is um i think that 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 personality trait of mine where once i've decided something i've decided it can be seen as hard-headed and perhaps when i were a young child who didn't know how to, how to use her words. <laughs> you know, Maybe I was a little bratty and I pushed and push and push and, and, um, but I think it's served me as a personality trait as an adult, because now I'm more eloquent and I use my words well, but I also know how to push and persevere and stay the course. Um, and that's a little hard for some people, but that is something that does kind of come for me is that, um, I will, I will have my moments where maybe there's some tears, maybe there's just some frustration. Maybe I yell in the car, you know, it, that absolutely happens because I'm a human being. And then I will move onward,
0: I'll uh, keep going. So you have that ultimate goal where you're headed, but it, that doesn't mean it makes it easy to get there, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. For at sure. some point you might have to question, well, is this still the right end goal? And then really figure that out for yourself. So uh, very important skill. And then uh, I love your other one about asking for help. I'm, I'm the same way. When I started my business, I right away hired a coach because I had been in business for 20 plus years, but I didn't know how to start my own business and how mm-hmm. to create a website and packages and programs and all these things. So I'm a big proponent of that. So that find the help where you need it and where the areas where, you you know, I didn't want to build my own website. I knew I could probably learn how to do it, but I'm like, but why? I really want to spend my time focused on, you know, how am I going to sell this? And yes. what am I going to be doing in all of those pieces? How, yeah, how you spend your time, right? Of course, of course,
2: I could do my own books, but my yeah. time is best spent over here, you know, <laughs> Doing
0: this other doing this other. So, uh-huh. okay. And then uh, last question, any words of wisdom that were impactful for you, maybe at a time when you were stuck or in transition, or maybe something that just inspired you or that maybe you use with your clients? Yeah, you know, I, if, if, if we had been doing this podcast a
2: bit ago, I probably would have had a really great just quote that's inspired, inspiring to me. Um, I love quotes. I have a, you know, journal I keep quotes in. I just, I love that. But what's really helped me recently and something I wish I had known sooner uh, was just the phrase, what if? Um, because it's very easy to get stuck in. This sky is falling, this isn't working. I've been trying this and I'm not seeing results and da-da-da-da. Or you have maybe have these repeated experiences of something not working, but that doesn't mean it's not going to the next time, right? If you create the story for yourself that it's going to keep not working, well, that's what you're going to see. But um if you think, what if this is the time it does work out? What if people are seeing my posts? They're just not pushing the like button. You know, but they're seeing them anyway. What if I do make the money I want to make this year um, because I set a high goal for myself? And what if I do actually make it? You know, so it's just the idea that the other side is possible. Um, So I try to catch myself often when I'm setting a limiting belief or not letting myself level up. um, Challenge whatever thought I had, which is still valuable and still valid, um, but challenge that thought with "What if." The other thing, what if I have this and more?
0: You know. Yeah. Well, and what if that's an open-ended question that gets your brain to um, really go down a different path than sometimes if we're stuck in the this isn't working. Yeah. I you out through that, and ver- versus the well, well, what if? Well, what if I change this or that? Right? Or yeah. what if I looked at this from a different perspective? So mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. And you're right; it's so simple. Right? Two little words. What if? Two words. <laughs> but where those two little words take you is what's so powerful. So,
2: yeah, cool. I think if I could think of one more thing, this one's kind of near and dear to me, but a little more fun. Um, I have three rules for life, and the first one is it's for life, for work, it really can apply to, to all situations. Um, they came about because when I was uh, skiing, <laughs> because I got onto like a double black that was super icy and I got very scared. Um, so, they happened then but now they've become sort of my like three rules for everything. And so the first one is don't panic. The second one is be tenacious. And the third one is party. So (laughs) don't panic, pause, think it through. What if like figure your stuff out, be tenacious and push forward, move onward, do the thing. And then party because you did a really good job no matter the outcome and you should celebrate all the little and big successes. And we deserve all the fun in the world when, when we work as hard as we do. So,
0: yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. And I love that you shared where you came up with it. Cause I'm just envisioning <laughs> you on that double black going, Oh, don't panic. Don't panic. I can get down. Right. And then, yep. okay. I fell again. I don't panic. Don't panic. I can get down. And then and when I get down, I am going to party. I mean, I can, That's go right. <laughs> and then, so when you got down, did you party like right then, or did you get on the lift and go back up to like a different slope? And Oh gosh, I don't
2: remember. I'm sure I like. I don't know. Probably partied in my soul just for the fact that I made it. I mean, I'm not a terrible skier. It was just a terrible situation that was like,
0: okay, I need to work through this. (laughs) Yeah, well, you can get yourself into well, especially skiing, right? You could have ended up like in trees or in a, you know, Uh deep powder you weren't comfortable with, or maybe it was very windy and you just didn't like the condition. I mean, there's a lot of things that um, are outside of your control, right? so which is what life is so i love all three. Oh, of Oh gosh we could have a whole podcast just on that right yeah uh, totally <laughs> totally well i know that you need to to scoot here shortly so i just want to thank you again for sharing your story today this was really great insight and background and i and i really think listeners if they're stuck or in transition hopefully they'll get some some nuggets out of today because there was a bunch of them in there that uh, can get them going so we got some great books some quotes and then i love your rules like don't panic <laughs> Be tenacious and then party and celebrate. Yeah, so that's right. <laughs> and listeners, if you enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe below so that you will be notified as other interviews are published. If you have any questions for me or for Amanda, you can find this interview on my blog, on my website, lifestorycurator.com. And I'll also post again, Amanda's social media information there, should you want to get in touch with her. So you can post comments, questions, etc. And on that note, I guess I'll say stay safe, stay well, and let's keep sharing those stories. Have a great day.